Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. from Psalm 23 and sometimes we get so familiar with a passage that we kind of become unfamiliar with it. It, We're so used to saying it, to hearing it, that we've stopped listening to it, if that makes sense. We know the passage so well that it's more of a habit. It's it's become more of of an involuntary action to hear it and to read it rather than allowing each line to impact you, to see what's happening in the passage itself and allow the passage to speak. And so we're going to read from the Common English Bible. And this version is going to be a little different. And I hope that it's different enough that you hear the lines, that you hear the words and the message in a new way, a different way, a way that maybe it's been a while since you've heard. And so as I read it, you may be tempted to kind of start reciting along, but I hope this passage is different enough that you, you don't and you hear it anew. So we're going to spend two weeks on this passage. So today I will read the whole passage and then we will talk about the first part. And then next week we will conclude the passage and allow it to bring us a good word because I think we're in need of a good word right now. There's a lot happening in the world around us. A lot of things that we have been carrying and struggling with for the last 10 months, 12 months. And I think it's becoming burdensome and heavy. We're becoming exhausted. We are emerging from this season of our process of all that's happening. And what I mean by that is... COVID-19 has been around for over a year now on the planet. It has been in our country for over 10 months now. And it has been affecting the way that we live life for almost seven months now. And a lot of us, when we got into the disruption that began in March, if you were like me, we thought three weeks, four weeks, and then it'll be over, right? And actually before that, we thought, well, it's here, but it's not really going to affect our lives. Or maybe before that, we knew it was happening elsewhere in the world, but it seemed so far away and so beyond its ability to reach out and affect us. And yet, here we are. We're well past three or four weeks into the disruption. In fact, we are so far past the disruption that even as the numbers are higher, than they've been, we are not as disrupted by that knowledge. That we are slowly taking little steps back to something that resembles what it was we were used to 10 months ago. So we're meeting in person to worship. It looks different, it feels different, but it's a step beyond where we were, where we were only engaging through virtual worship. And now we're, we're starting to figure out, well, how do we take the next step and, and 
do some of the more normal things in our lives that are just going to be the new normal. I don't think we're going to go back to what was anytime soon. And now we're starting to emerge into this new season of what is the new normal and how can we embrace that and do all that we can with it. As individuals, maybe we're finally just realizing it's, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while and we've got to figure out how to live amidst all that we're living with, amidst isolation, amidst distancing, amidst not being able to be with the people we love, not being able to do the things that we love to do. Some of you are losing your jobs. Some of you have lost your jobs because of this. Some of your lives will never be the same because of this. Some of you are in school and in a way that you never dreamed you would be. Some of you missed graduation. You didn't get to have the ceremony with your friends, with the faculty. You put in all this effort and yet you don't get to experience all that you thought you would. Some of you are entering a senior year or a final year of some sort of schooling and you know the chances are pretty good you aren't going to get to do this final year, this, this wonderful, monumental final year with people that you know and love, and it's just not going to be the same. Some of you are learning online at home, completely detached, and some of you are in school, but in a different way, and still somehow detached, or at the very least, kind of always ready for quarantine or something to disrupt the flow. We just can't feel comfortable in the current state of things. It seems every time we turn on the news, there's something else that's happening. And so on top of COVID and all the disruption it's brought, the fight for racial justice, which is 450 years old for this land we call the United States of America, has been given new life, new awareness. Light has been shining on this fight in a way that it wasn't a year ago and probably in a way that it should have been a year ago, but it wasn't. So here we are, and suddenly the awareness of all that's happening is hitting many of us for the first time. We didn't realize some of these things were happening. In fact, some of us are still denying the truth of racial injustice, and we, we, it threatens us. And I, I, I feel for you, because to feel threatened by this is, is unnerving. It can cause anger, it can cause a lot of things. And then those of us who understand the threat of racial injustice and all that it's been doing and want to see things move forward are experiencing a range of emotions as well. And so which is why there are largely, overwhelmingly peaceful protests still happening all around the country and the world. There are small groups of people that are not protesting peacefully because they're experiencing emotion. And I don't excuse the behavior, but I do understand what's driving it. And so there's different feelings about that. We're, we're feeling divided. We feel it. We, some of you are feeling emotional, even just the way I presented it. I, I get it. And then we have human sexuality in the church, and there are emotions behind that conversation too. We as the United Methodist Church are, are not going down a new path. There are denominations that have already been down these paths, and and there are people coming to the conversation with completely different ideas, completely different opinions, yet they are using scripture, they're using Wesleyan theology, they are 
using their, their mind and their understanding and their desire for God's name to be glorified to bring them to this place where there is a seeming impasse. So what's going to happen to the church? What's it going to mean for us? How will that be a disruption? How much disruption can we take as a church in our friendships, in our families? How much can we take? And I get the sense that lately, from the dozen or more people I've spoken to, just in the last few days, we're all kind of feeling this heaviness that we need to do something about. How much can we take? Is kind of the question I'm hearing underneath the emotions and the tones of those whom I have spent time in conversation with. People from around the world, people from across the state, people that are in various entities, whether they're in the church or not in the church, or those in the church, whether they're clergy, whether they're laity. I mean, people from all over are all feeling the same feeling. How much can we take? Psalm 23 comes to us from a king who seems to be facing the same situation. And in a time of feeling inadequate or, or weak or worried, calls out a prayer. And it's this prayer I think we need to hear. Now understand a couple of things about the passage. The shepherd is a symbol. It is the symbol of a king. It is often used in the Hebrew scriptures. The shepherd leads the flock, the people. And so the shepherd has an idea of what the people need and a shepherd has an idea of where to go to provide for the people. The shepherd has a responsibility to the flock, to the people, and the people will follow and have the responsibility to follow the shepherd. So God is regarded as the shepherd in this passage, but David is also the king. And so David is seen as the symbolic shepherd of Israel. Now David is a great king. Not perfect. David messes up a lot and breaks all the commandments in, in one story. <laughs> but David, who began as a lowly shepherd boy, has now become king. And David is a different kind of king. The ideal king is one that represents the way and will of God to the people. That allows God to shepherd through through him. David wants to allow God to shepherd through him. But then also David represents the people to God. And so we're going to hear this language of me and my and I. David speaking on behalf of the people because that's the role that you take as the king. You represent the people to the world around you. When people pictured Israel, they pictured David. He's the face of the kingdom. And when people think of how God's justice is administered amongst God's people, they look to David to be that representative, which is why he is a Messiah. He is anointed. That's what the word means. Messiah means anointed. He was the anointed king by God to represent God's will and way to the people. And David doesn't seek this glory for himself or his name and instead wants to bring all the glory to God's name. And this comes from a context, a an older context that, that we just don't have experience with in our culture, of honor and shame. So in our culture, you make a name for yourself, right? 
We, we really lift up independence and you make a name for yourself and you decide who you are. That would have been completely foreign to the world of David. In David's world, what you do reflects the identity of those around you. And what those around you were doing reflects on your identity. And so, if you have the name of your family, anything you do either brings honor or shame to the family. So when you do something that is shameful, it's not just shameful for you, it's shameful for the whole family. They all have to carry the burden that you might create through your action. And in the same way, if you bring honor, they share in that honor. And so if you're gonna be part of God's people, you take the name of God to be your name. You are people of God. And you don't take the name of God for your own vanity in vain for yourself. Rather, you take the name of God with the understanding that I am going to live in a way that brings honor and glory to the name of God. But I also trust that God is a good God. And so I can trust that God will also honor God's goodness to me and take care of me. And so we see the shepherd and the flock image, David for the people, God for the people, the people for God, this bringing honor and shame uh, you know, is a serious matter. And so it's always at the forefront of the goal of God's people to bring glory and honor to the name of God. And David seeks that as well. So now that we've set the table, we've set the table for our context and what we're going through and the question of how much can we take? What do we do in this time? There are threats everywhere. And we've set the table for David in this context, surrounded by enemies, threats everywhere, a responsibility to God and to the people. And David offers this beautiful prayer, this beautiful Psalm 23. And it reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I just read the psalm, and as we've numbered them, verses 1 through 6. But we're going to spend time working through the first three verses today. And then we'll do verses 4, 5, and 6 next week. And so the first three verses, we'll walk through it line by line and understand the image of shepherd and what David is saying about his faith in God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. 
I spent some time in Israel a couple of years ago, and we walked the road to Jericho. And along that road, there is a, a church, um, a brotherhood of it's like desert fathers is what it feels like. It's a church where there's a monastery, there are a group of men who worship, and it's on the side of a cliff. And when you're walking up to the side of the cliff, of course, you're looking through the valley where the road lies, and on the other side is grass and rock, and you can see across the valley. It's not too far away. But while we were walking, we looked and saw a shepherd leading sheep. Now, the cliff that we're looking at is pretty pretty steep and the sheep were kind of winding their way and there were large rocks jutting out of the ground and so some of the sheep had to kind of make their way down a rock and and maybe go or kind of squeeze around a rock where half their bodies hanging over the edge and and get to the other side and get around a rock on a, on a ledge and I was watching the sheep and watching the shepherd and just kind of trying to picture in my mind if, if this is what shepherding was in the time of David, is this what it looked like long ago? Because it's the same area. And in fact, some of the rocks uh, we see in that area and the caves, you know, they're referenced in the scripture when David was hiding from Saul. And, and there are Psalms where you have these animals that, uh, that the, the rocks and the clefts are made for. The psalmist cries out, and I saw some of the animals, the various animals there. So it was like I was in the scripture passages. And so here's this shepherd leading sheep and they're winding their way. And what I noticed was shepherding isn't exactly what I thought it was. I assumed the shepherd was kind of in the back, driving the sheep forward. And my only frame of reference is picturing from movies of people driving cattle, you know, kind of getting the herd going and then just kind of making your way around the back and just keeping them from getting off course and, and kind of helping them stay where they need to be. And, and sheep are different. At least this shepherd did it differently. This shepherd walked on ahead. And so there was a point when I saw the shepherd sit down and the sheep then kind of scattered a little bit and found little bits of grass and things that they needed to graze. And, and then eventually the shepherd got up and kind of let out a word, which was, I'm guessing is Hebrew, it wasn't English, and kind of walked forward a good 30 yards or so. And I was watching the sheep kind of slowly heed the shepherd's call. And there was a particular rocky ledge, a rock jutting out and there was an area they had to kind of jump over a gap. And so the sheep were jumping over the gap and making their way and they were one by one jumping over the gap because there was, it was very narrow. And there was one sheep that kind of got stuck at the end. And so the sheep kind of stopped and, and tried to think about jumping and then kind of backed off and, and had second guesses. And then another sheep squeezed in front of him and jumped over. And then that sheep kind of tried to muster the courage. You could see almost like a hesitation, I can do it. And then at the last second, no. And the shepherd got far enough ahead that finally the sheep just lets out this, this distressing bleat. And, and uh, the shepherd finally stops and turns around and looks. And I, and I thought, oh, I'm going to see the shepherd, you know, come back and pick the sheep up and carry it, you know, just picturing what I picture when I think of Psalms and uh, what I picture when I think of the shepherds in, in Scripture. But instead, the shepherd just let out another word kind of called a word out. I don't know what it was, but it's something about that word all of a sudden gave the sheep the courage it needed and it jumped and made its way back to the shepherd and on the shepherd went and the sheep followed. The shepherd knows where to go and the shepherd knows what the sheep need, knows where to take them. What the shepherd knows the sheep to need may not always match what the sheep 
think is needed. And I recognized that in this moment of hesitation, the sheep calling out as if it's a help. What do I do? And nothing changed. Nothing changed in the moment the shepherd didn't somehow make the thing easier to traverse, but rather mustered some sort of courage within the sheep that the sheep already had the ability to do it. And the shepherd gave the sheep what it needed to make that jump. Now, it was quite astonishing to see. Maybe not that big a deal of telling it, retelling it. But when we read these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I see sheep, I see sustenance being attended to. What the sheep need, the shepherd takes care of them. And I see the trust from the sheep to the shepherd. And I wonder, do we trust God in that way? Do we truly regard God as our shepherd? Do we truly depend upon God to give us what we need so that we lack nothing? Or have we made other things our shepherd, perhaps ourselves, in an attempt to make a name for ourselves and our culture? Do we truly regard God as our shepherd? If we're lacking something in the moment, I wonder, do we need to revisit how it is we trust God to define who we are, to define what we have, what we need? In the midst of all the discussions that are being had in this season, there are many of us that are still just wanting to be right, wanting our way to be heard, wanting our candidate to get elected. And I wonder, are we putting faith and hope in ourselves? Or is God our shepherd? Will God be our shepherd no matter what comes? Can we truly pray with confidence that we will lack nothing? Or is that a struggle? And if it's a struggle, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I want to say that I truly regard God as my shepherd, but then I have plenty of moments in my life where I think of all the things that I feel I lack. I have all the moments that I hesitate to take that next step. And in some moments, I haven't even called out to God yet, and some that I have, and I've heard God call back. And there are lots of those moments, and I'm feeling them now. And it can be distressing to feel like the distance between God and myself is only getting bigger because of my hesitation. And I don't know what to do about that all the time, except to cry out to God and trust that God is my shepherd. And when it comes down to it, I lack nothing. And he goes on. In verse 2 and 3 go together. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. We lift up and revere the name of God. God is good. God is good, my friends. God is good. And God is only good. And God is only love. And so we need to trust. We need to trust that God will lead us to all the sustenance we need. Lead us to the restful waters. Will lead us in such a way that we will find all we need to be alive, to have life, 
to keep going and that God will only ever call us through the Holy Spirit and guide us on proper paths, all for the sake of God's good name. We can trust that God is good. We know this because of Jesus Christ. We know this because Jesus was the Messiah that David just plain couldn't be. That Jesus came to reveal God's goodness to us by entering into our lives, guiding us, giving us direction, calling us, teaching us, making us disciples, going to the cross, being raised up, and gifting us with the Holy Spirit that we have all the sustenance we need. We have the guidance on proper paths and that this Holy Spirit is good because God is good. We can trust God to be our shepherd. And so if you feel like you're stuck on the edge of a cliff and it appears that only disaster comes in the next step, cry out to our good shepherd. Cry out and trust that God will lead you in proper paths. I can't always tell you what that looks like. I have enough trouble figuring out what that is for myself at times, but we're not supposed to do it all on our own. We are part of the flock. We are part of the people of God who carry the name of our good God. We need each other. And so friends, reach out to one another. Call out to one another. If you are feeling hesitant, if you're feeling alone, call out and trust that the body of Christ, given the power of the Holy Spirit, can provide for you what you need. Are we perfect? No. Are we gonna sometimes not give the best answers? Yeah, we are. But keep calling out and trust that God will work. And then friends, be the voice of encouragement, of goodness, of love, of peace and restoration of life for those around us who are calling out for help. Let us carry the name of our good God in all that we do, trusting that God is our shepherd. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.